Hey everybody, this is... Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney and I just want to welcome you to episode 197 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today, I get to interview my once rival, now bitter rival, Jake Watson. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, so uh, Jake and I, as we will tell the story and talk about a little bit, um, have actually competed against each other twice. Just so you guys know, he beat me both times. So you know he's legit. You know he's good, right? Um, but Jake has had an interesting shift in his jujitsu career. He really hasn't, and I won't, I won't spoil anything for you, but he hasn't been competing a lot lately. And he is, um, and we talk about that. Uh, Jake and I have known each other long enough and have had conversations and have a relationship that maybe this episode and the episode that he and I just did on the Open Guard cast uh, together, both of them, they have this feel of like, of two friends trying to talk through certain things that they're dealing with right now, you know, and just kind of certain things that we're both going, yeah, you know, we're, we're making these decisions and they're tough. We're not sure. And, and we're figuring it out. And, um, both Jake and I also have, uh, have babies on the way, or at least our wives have babies on the way and they are our babies in case you were wondering. So, uh, and yes, it did get brought up. Jake and I's kids are going to have to fight. I mean, we we brought that up already, um, but we will, uh, yeah, we'll get we we get into all the good stuff, all the stuff you cared about hearing Jake and I talk about. Um, but Jake is just a very big, a, a very um, larger than life type character, and I think you guys will enjoy hearing a conversation with him. And I'm sure that I will, and he both trying to be podcasters right now i'm sure we will get together again in the future and uh and have more conversations so if you guys enjoy this one as always shoot me an email josh simplifying jujitsu.com i always love the encouragement and uh yeah that's all i have for you guys today let's go ahead and get into this episode jake watson how are you doing buddy I'm fantastic. I didn't expect you to start the episode like that, just with my name. But uh, I always, I'm I always do to reiterate because I always do intros, and my intros are so bad that sometimes I will be like, "Yeah, my buddy's going to be on the episode," and not say your name. And so I always start the interviews with your name. Makes it easy. That's more professional. I get it. I get it. I, yeah. I remember because the Open Guard cast is returning, right? So. We would always, I would always do some outlandish uh, opening, but it was mostly just to make Danny turn red because I could see his face. So I just uh -huh. wanted to make Danny's face turn red. So I would go, ladies and gentlemen, we're here. We're alive. It's Danny O'Donnell's birthday. And it's like, <laughs> not his birthday. And he's just like, no, it's not my birthday. And I'm like, no, Danny, it's your birthday today, too. You got two birthdays, son. And I, I would just do something like that to make him, you know, loosen up, too, because he's so analytical. And I was always goofy because I always felt like, man, I'm just the guy who talks a lot and is outlandish. And Danny really, really cares about the sport. And uh, and I care about the sport, too, of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to do a podcast. But, <laughs> you know, it's just so funny to make him laugh at the beginning of the episode because then he'd loosen up and he would he would have a fun time, too. You know, when uh, that that was way back before Danny was better than us. You know what I mean? Like when he was still doing the the open guard cast on the I suck at jujitsu show like that was before Danny was relevant I've actually wanted him to come on to talk about how relevant he is but he's so relevant 
<laughs> he doesn't have time yet. Like, it's not even that he doesn't have time. He's so relevant that the people that oversee his relevancy are, they say, hey, listen, you got to, you know, you have a longer tenure before you go on other podcasts. But, and he, you know what? He's so relevant that he didn't have, he doesn't have time. He's too busy organizing his own podcast, man. It's like he's moved on to bigger and better things. And I just have to, I just have to pick up the scraps and make a new beautiful creation out of it. Jake, one day, I really believe this in all my heart. You and I will be as relevant or at least very close to Danny O'Donnell. Here's the thing. I invited him to be a groomsman at my wedding. All right. I got married on October 2nd, 2022. It was purely a power play. Danny and I aren't even that close. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Danny is one of my best friends in the whole world, actually. Uh, but no, it was purely a power play. Because he could have stayed home, he could have been an usher. There's a lot of th there's a lot of things Danny O'Donnell can do, and um, he's a versatile guy. He could have done he could have done post wedding interviews. That guy is a entertainment chameleon. He fits many masks. He wears many roles. That's not the mix that back up. You get my point. I, I uh, <laughs> you understood what I was trying to say, Josh. I get you. But Danny O'Donnell, Danny O'Donnell, uh, I remember. We created the open guard cast in a coffee rush. We I don't know if you have coffee rush. I think it's it's an Arizona thing. But it's just like I've never heard of coffee. it, but I assume it's coffee. Where do you live again? You live in Illinois? Il Illinois, yeah. We don't okay. have we don't have businesses out here. Really? Yeah, we don't <laughs> yeah. we don't have those guys. We don't have chains and and things. They're all mom sort. and pop shops. No, no, I'm just joking. I'm just oh, joking. I was, I was about to say you don't have one single coffee diner, like not a not a single one. Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 yeah, we're big coffee people. Have hard lives. Caffeine, you know, addiction is a big thing. Caffeine, so. cigarettes, <laughs> energy drinks. It's <laughs> it's the coal miner lifestyle. But yep. I don't know what people do in Illinois. But um, uh, no. But Danny and I created the Open Guard Cast, and I remember I was sitting there, and this is this goes into what I'm saying. I was sitting there, and he's like, "Hey, I want to start a podcast with you." And at this time, we weren't we were friends, kind of. Like I saw him at every Arizona tournament, but I never, I never, you know, actually hung out with the guy. And then we start the open guard cast. And over the course of like the first 20 episodes, me and him become super close, texting each other all the time. I mean, he just called me yesterday just to see how I was doing. Um, but pure, he hasn't called whole, me in a long time to see how I was doing, Jake. Here's the thing, Josh McKinney. He's too big. He's I'm only slightly more relevant in the friendship spectrum. You're yeah, you're more relevant in the broadcasting, jujitsu podcasting. You're the I suck at jujitsu show is the the Shoot, dude. Besides me, I'm just joking. No, you're the number one <laughs> podcast in all of jujitsu. Uh, and I mean, for a good reason, right? I I, I feel like uh, even like Verbal Tapcast used to be a really amazing podcast, but they stopped, right? They they don't do the podcast anymore. And you see other people trying to do podcasts too, like the B team does their own podcast. But in terms of quality, in terms of integrity, it's the I Suck at Jujitsu show. All right. So you know I'm what? Sitting... We got a new intro, dude. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'll make you a freaking intro, dude. You, All are you right. kidding? You got a Shure MV7 microphone Oof. that I had to buy because the other one sucked and uh and it just I broke it. That's really why I had to get a new one. Um but I'm sitting in this this restaurant with Danny in this coffee rush. This is a very roundabout way of telling a story, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, this guy knows so much about jiu-jitsu. I'm going to make this podcast suck so bad." I was like, "This is not going to be good. This is going to be an epic fail." And we had John Combs on and it, and it got a little bit of steam. And then once Danny moved on to the IBJJF, he lost the ability to do the open guard cast because it's a conflict mm -hmm. of interest, right? So, and I don't just report on the IBJJF. So my goals aren't as a podcaster, aren't in line with simply IBJJF. I'm not mm -hmm. that niche. Jiu-Jitsu is niche enough for me.
So I'll be, you know, obviously reporting on not just even jujitsu, like MMA. I might even have basketball athletes on. I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is the open guard cast is back and it's about jujitsu and um, it's going to be, you know, where it expands or where I take different podcasts or different things I do is all about the, you know, whatever God blesses me with. But um, Danny, Danny, actually, he's he's kind of bound to the IBJF, which is awesome because he's adding so much value there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think he Man, really if you is. look at. Yeah, if you do, if you look at the Instagram, if you look at their whole, you know, at least their American presence. It's very obvious to me that when they hired Danny, they had a way bigger American presence. I even noticed as an athlete competing before and after his hire, just how it feels to win a tournament is different. Uh, yeah. And and so I just, uh, yeah, I know we just spent the first, you know, seven minutes of the podcast kind of mocking, but then <laughs> praising Danny and then mocking him again. Um, but anyway, how about we start with a question? <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> it's an interview. I, welcome to the I Second Jiu-Jitsu show where we praise Danny for the whole episode. Yeah. What if we just didn't talk about you or I, and we just talked about how great Danny is, and then we just send the episode to the IBJJF, you know? Oh, that would, you know what? Their numbers would go up even further <laughs> because you're that relevant. I don't think so, Jake. I think we're not on the same wavelength here, but I like where your head's at. Um, I'm looking so at the future. It's it's been a while since we talked. The last time you and I did a podcast together was um, June of 2020. Uh, it was so long ago that we were still saying things like, yeah, this coronavirus thing. You know, we were, yeah, yeah that's where we were at with it. Um, but we, uh, since then, I mean, so much has changed for both you and I. Uh, you and I actually had a match in between then. Um, I, we can, we can get into it if you want, if we want to talk about, I learned about duck guard, dude. I learned about duck guard firsthand. I learned about just being down on points and not being able to sweep somebody for 10 (laughs) minutes while everybody in the whole gym yelled suggestions and nothing worked. There was this (laughs) point in the match where I have. Um, I basically like single leg X underhook turned to kind of a belly down knee bar position. And I'm like hipping in as hard as I could. My chest is on the floor and I'm like, he, his butt has to be down. And I'm like, something feels off here. And I <laughs> kind of look back. I'm like, oh, he's still just standing on top of me. And I looked at you and I said, come on, Jake, that was ridiculous. And you, we both laughed at that point. That was like. <laughs> Two minutes left as I watched the clock dwindle away, doing the same thing over and over and it not working. Um, but yeah, I guess we are going to talk about that match. So okay, I was about uh, to say, is that the starting point? So I want to I want to say that um, very rarely have I had a match where I a talked to somebody in the middle of it. Usually I'm very stoic uh, when I was competing. I, w- I would be very let's just focus. No talking. But with you, you're already my friend. And not just like a friend, like somebody you see at the tournaments, like, man, I go up and I hug a lot of people at the tournaments and I'm not really friends with them. I'm acquainted with them, but I'm not on that level to where like, if we fight, I'm going to joke with you. Right. I might ask yeah. you if you're okay. Or if I, or, you know, I might say something, but, um, but with you, I actually was going to laugh like almost the whole time because I just know how you think about jujitsu a little bit more. I know that there's some things that I might do that you might go, what the heck? And I, there's some things you might do. Like I straight up, with, with duck guard. So you've, you've, uh, taught duck guard. And I think that, uh, first of all, it's a hilarious name oh, and yeah. oh, it's yeah. a hilarious name for a guard, but being somebody who loves single leg X, 
and experiencing duck cart, I'm literally like going to laugh because I'm like, why is this working so well? It doesn't look <laughs> like it should work, but it's uh -huh. working because both of your feet are up on the hip around the leg. And for those of you who are listening, who are familiar really well with single leg X, you understand that, that right foot on the hip is meant to be on the hip to prevent them from, you know, putting space down or sorry, to uh, crush, to crush your space. And, you know, it's a distancing tool and you kind of switch it underneath the leg when you're ready to attack, when you have something isolated. And so you just have your other foot right next to your foot. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? And I couldn't pass. In my head, I was like, easy leg drag all day. And I tried it like six times. By the sixth time, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just gonna like, <laughs> I'm just gonna try it a long step. Didn't work. Nothing was working for me either. And I know that you thought, man, I'm just not gonna sweep him. But I actually felt like a giant weenie that whole match because I don't like winning like that. I don't like winning matches like having to do nothing. But I straight up got, I think I got two points. And then nothing else happened the rest of the match. It was like a 10 minute match full of me just trying to pass and you trying to sweep me. And yes, you're right. That moment was really funny because I remember you, you were like belly down and just trying, trying, trying to get my knee over. But I, I think the leverage was just off because I'm so grotesquely tall. Yeah, and, dude, uh, you were like seven feet taller than me <laughs> on the podium, you know, standing in first me in second, I'm like up to your knee, you know, like, <laughs> dude, that was funny. That was, that was, that was a so, very funny memory. I have to go full disclosure too. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but the competitive Josh somewhere in his subconscious still held a grudge for ankle of getting ankle locked um, <laughs> by you when we were purple belts. And I know this, I didn't know that because the game plan was Jake's going to pull. He always pulls. I am going to play top. And literally you started to go Baron Bolo. I kind of tried to counter Baron Bolo. And I was like, what if I got him back and I tried to ankle lock <laughs> and I did. And you defended and came up and swept me. And I was like, no, why did I do that? And it was, it was the grudge still still in me. So I just had to disclose to you at this point, if we, if we were to fight again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care to ankle lock you over anything else. I don't hold the grudge anymore, Jake, but then <laughs> in 2020, I still did. Well, I didn't know that. And it's nice <laughs> to know that because you know, the first part of uh, solving a problem is realizing there is one. And the problem That's was a grudge. It I was, uh, man. I, the thing was going into that match, I had fought Nathan Barreto and Nathan mm -hmm. Barreto in the first match really frustrated me actually, because I was trying to play a collar and sleeve and he grabbed the inside of the front of my pants so deep that he grabbed my underwear and he was like deep <laughs> with his hands and I didn't like it. It was like, it was the first time in a <laughs> match where I felt legitimately uncomfortable, like not uncomfortable, like pressures on me. Victor Hugo's passing my guard. It was like, I'm genuinely, I don't want the camera to see my wiener. Right. Yeah, like I just don't, tough, I, it's man. not something I desire to happen to me. And, uh, and so I get really angry and I put both my feet on his hip. And once he lets go, I put both my feet on his hip and I lift him up in the air and I slam him down on the ground with just like a uh, both feet on the hip sweep. And I pass his guard out and I arm bar from arm bar him from Mount. And then I fought Gabriel Almeida and Gabriel Almeida mm -hmm. was a super tough match, man. I won that one in like the last 10 seconds with a I kids remember. class double leg. Was, <laughs> oh, the kids, I call it the kids class double leg because I literally learned it while I was helping the kids class on Thursdays at Maracaba BJJ when I was working there. I, uh, I got this, this little arm tap double, you know, when you, you fake the shot and you see them put their hands out to block your shoulder. And then that's when you have like kind of your intel in your head. Okay. I'm now next time I shoot, I'm going to tap him out of the way so that I fake the shot. He put both of his hands up. I shot arm tap with both hands and I actually got the double leg. And it, I literally, 
it was one of those things where, yeah, you've probably had this happen. You go for something that you're really not sure is going to work, but you're going to go for it as hard as you can. And then it works and it almost <laughs> feels like it didn't work. It uh-huh. feels like you have to like wake up. And, oh my gosh, I got the two and I won. So I was coming off of an adrenaline dump when I fought you too. So I wanted to kind of, the reason I went for the Baron Bull right off the bat is because I wanted to get to a good position right away because I knew you were good. I was like, nah, Josh, Josh is messing around. I'm not trying to have a whole match with Josh. I need to get, <laughs> I need to get a good position right away and just kind of put this to bed because I'm tired and I really don't want to fight. And then I fought in the open later. And that was the man. I fought Juan Gabriel Hocha. And I know. Was, I remember. I honestly, dude, you, you really fought him. I thought you were going to die and you really fought him. Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Thank you. I, I mean, I wasn't, it, it was, it wasn't that I thought that you had a lack in ability. It was just, I knew what size I was and we competed at the same weight the morning that morning. And I was like, I ain't fighting this guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm going home. I'm eating in and out right now, man. And so, uh, the fact that you went out there and had such a good match with him, that was super impressive. It was good for the first like two, ah, man, I want to say five minutes, five minutes. It was pretty even. I even got an old applaud on him and I locked it, but he like just postured out of it. It was, it was ridiculous. And then he passed my guard and, and that was when it was just, I was so tired. De- defending him is just a very, very tiring thing. And, uh, there was, there was one more thing that happened. I'm having trouble remembering right now, but there was one more thing that happened in that tournament. That was like, I almost got my guard passed in the very first fight of the open as well. And that was really tough, but that tournament was, that tournament was a lot of fun. I didn't think actually I was going to win because I, during the pandemic, I actually became kind of. The pandemic. And I, I got uh, just transparently, I got really uh, badly addicted to some stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. And that was very, very tough. I didn't, I grew farther away. I got baptized in 2019 and I was wanting to follow the Lord. And then 2020 came around and I just like forgot he existed, I guess, which sucked. (laughs) And, uh, and so that was a very tough season. So just training in like the shadows kind of and going into American nationals, I I probably had the worst training camp I ever had at American nationals. And I was very like unsure if I was going to be able to do jujitsu, but it was cool to be able to go out there and still like, even though, I was uncertain, uncertain about my career. I was able to do a good performance. So that was, that was nice. And then from there I actually sucked worse. So 2021, I'd like, didn't win anything. I like, didn't win a single thing except for, I think I, I think I fought Pedro Mourinho at fight to win in March, 2021. And that was uh-huh. my, the last time I think I won uh, a match was, was there. All right. To be fair, you also were, you got pretty much after, after the nationals win, after a few other good wins, you kind of got invited to the show, dude. You were fighting like you were fighting the best guys. It seemed like every weekend um, when you know I was watching Flow, and so it wasn't like you were fighting Josh McKinney anymore. You know, you went up a tier there and were fighting in the the toughest tier that there is in grappling. But that kind of being said, you've you you said when we were off camera, you used this tense. Um, and then even when we were uh, recording, you used the same tense. You said, when I was an athlete, um, <laughs> what, what does that mean, Jake? What does, well, where are you at right now? What is, what does that mean? So I have not been seriously training since man, like September of 2022. I've really been just taking kind of a step back. In fact, I haven't, I haven't actually been to a jujitsu class in about a month. I needed to take my foot off the brake, and here's why. Uh, I, and I have to go kind of far back to explain why. So 
I want to take my foot off the brake because I've been training in various martial arts, not just jujitsu, but in various martial arts intensively since I was 11, 12 years old. I was doing, since I was 12, I would be doing five to six days a week, not just jujitsu, but Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, MMA classes. I was competing almost every weekend across different martial arts and training. Sometimes I would, my usual training day, Monday through Friday was waking up at 730, going to school until, you know, whenever it got off Um, until high school, it was 350. And then high school was 210. And then from 330 until 11 PM, I'd be training. And so 3.30 until 11 p.m. And I had, that was my week. I, I That was my social life. I waited for the weekend to hang out with the friends who like to play video games and stuff like that. I was just completely exhausted all the time. And when I made the decision to just do jujitsu, that was when I was like 17 years old and, or actually 16 years old was when I decided I just wanted to do, to do jujitsu. And then as soon as I decided that a month later, because I just did jujitsu training for a month, I didn't do anything else. My body healed a little bit. I was motivated to do jujitsu. Uh, my professor, Andre Maracaba had a really big talk with me. That was, he was like, Hey, you need to decide what you want to do because you're, you're unmotivated everywhere, right? Like you're, you're not training like you're motivated. Like you really need to think about what you want to do because this guy over here, and he points to a guy named Matt Zilla, who is a master's competitor, who's competing all the time still to this day. Matt Zilla is on his lunch break and he has a taped up eye with like a cut on it. And he's on his lunch break training. And he's like, cause that guy deserves what you have. <clears throat> he deserves mm. to have the talent that you have and he's working hard for it. And I just remember being like, Oh my gosh. And I, I took a week off of everything because I was just like, I didn't want to do anything. I was that honestly upset me that my coach had that conversation with me because I had a, a kind of an inflated ego because I had just won Pan Ams in 2013 and that was big. Mm-hmm. So I go to worlds, no gi worlds in the juvenile division and I won double gold. And then I was actually the only athlete signed up, but I won the team trophy. So <laughs> it's crazy that that happened, but that's <laughs> very weird circumstance. But I, I was the only athlete signed up under our gym and we won the uh, juvenile team trophy for the Nogi World Championship. That's awesome. <laughs> it was really, really cool. And it was a sign to me like, okay, I got to do jujitsu. You know, like I, mm-hmm. this is just, I'm, I need to pursue this. And so I only did jujitsu and I did jujitsu five to six days a week. I was competing. There was one year in 2017, I competed 24 different tournaments. Oof, and I remember that. I remember you posting about that. That's insane. It was a, it was so tiring. And you know, I went to Worlds that year, and uh, I got third at Worlds at, at Purple Belt, and that was the best I ever did in a tournament. I won my first five fights by submission, and for me, that was like, oh, keep on doing what I'm doing. But the longer I did it, eventually, I started to realize, like, man, do I do I want to just do jujitsu with my life? And that was a question that I did never thought about until. I, uh, got into the relationship with my wife. I started dating my wife and all of a sudden I cared so much about somebody other than myself that life was put in perspective. And that was interesting for me because my whole life, I just wanted to fight. I even wanted to be a UFC champion. At one point, I was just concerned about what was Jake Watson going to do with his life? Because when you're not in a situation that demands you to think about somebody else, it's hard to think about somebody else. But I was in a situation where all of a sudden I wanted to be married and have a family. I was like, this is something that I want to do. This is something I feel God leading me to do. And so suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, do I, when was the last time I even thought if I wanted to be a gym owner or if I wanted to coach jujitsu as a career, like I really enjoy commentating. I enjoy broadcasting. I, I, those are the things that like, I really, really enjoy. And I do enjoy competition. It's just when you're not training and you're trying to search for other stuff, it's hard to put training first, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to make a decision like, okay, I don't know if I'm done. 
but I'm definitely taking a step back. So what I say when I was an athlete, I just mean to say, don't expect me. Don't expect me to like make a miraculous comeback in the next week. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I gained like I, I've gained some weight. I've definitely not been training as hard as I can. Um, <clears throat> actually being transparent too. my entire career. I didn't know this, but my borderline, my entire adult black belt career, I competed with low testosterone. And so I actually, I, ne- and I never took any steroids or anything like that. Uh, you would be able to tell because I was working really, really hard. I was lifting and you know, trying to eat well and training mm-hmm. jujitsu all the time. And I just, I, I was like 184 pounds walking around at six foot four. I was not cutting to get to medium heavy at all. I was just a really, you know, tall bean pole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I go to the doctor pretty much like once my career's sort of reaching a slow point when I'm starting to think like, okay, let's, let's take a step back. Uh, and I still have desires to compete. I just don't want to, I would, I would like to compete and get paid for it. So I'm, that's more of what I'm looking towards as well. But, um, I, it was just a tough, it was a tough thing to realize, wow, I competed so long with low testosterone. I never did anything about it. I never thought to, to, to take any, any natural remedies or like really see how I can improve it. Or I mean, in the necessary sense that I, it affects my health to retire from competition and then take care of my body with, you know, because I'm not going to, I am never, if, if the moment that the doctor says you need to take something to boost your testosterone, I am done competing. I'm not mm-hmm. going to ruin my integrity. I'm not going to lead that kind of example for children. I'm not going to return to a scene and get popped and do, do all that nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. It's there is nothing I think that I would compete for that I could replace for my own name. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you could have a lot of things in life. You could have as many gold medals as you want, but the moment you become a liar, it's all people are going to remember you for. Mm-hmm. It's so man, there's a lot of places I want to go. I think that the rest of this episode is going to be me dissecting what we just talked about. I had a lot of other stuff we were going to talk about, but I really think that there are so many points you hit on that I just want to talk about. Um, cause you and I are, we're, we're similar, uh, personality wise, you and I are pretty similar. Um, but the fact that you and I both, both of our wives are pregnant right now. You know, yeah. like we're both, yeah, we, you know, like we have that. We've both started jujitsu very young. We both did kind of have these, you know, I had a, a break from competition from like 25 to, um, I want to say like, you know, maybe even 24 to like 26, you know, I had almost two years where I really wasn't competing. And uh, it was the same thing. I had a wife. I wanted to provide a better life for us and not just put all my focus into competition. But then when it was time for me to start to come back, there were thoughts of like, man, I know I'm a better competitor than I've shown. And there was these thoughts of kind of legacy, I guess, um, just in how I, I thought about it. And that was a really big motivator for me kind of coming back and trying to make the run that I've been trying to make. And um, that for me, like, after our match in, um, you know, uh, when we competed in Dallas, I was, you know, even more aware of your career. Even I, I paid attention to it before, but I was even more aware. And I did see you beat some really tough, like really, really tough, some of the best guys in the world, um, still some of the best guys in the world now. And uh, just, just witnessed you do some things that were really amazing, especially at the age that you were at, especially because you're one of the few guys that I do know for sure. I'm like, this guy has never been on anything. You know, mm-hmm. this guy has never been on. And um, so to have had the career that you've had so <clears throat> far, 
if you never went back to competing, would you be good with it? Is that legacy? Is the career that you've had in jujitsu? Is that what you want? Because I'm even looking from the perspective that if you really listen to episode 49 of the Isaka Jiu Jitsu show, the last time you and I had a, a real long conversation, it was then. And you told me, yeah, I want to, I want to be a news anchor. You know, like that is something that I've always <laughs> wanted to do. And now at this point, I mean, that's kind of where you're directing your path. That's where you're like kind of pointing your career. So kind of in, in that jujitsu space, if you, for whatever reason, if it was just done and you were for sure that it was done, are you cool with it? Are you, are you happy with the career that you had? So <clears throat> my goals have changed. Even if I were to like come back to jujitsu, let's say I came back to competition in two months, right? I competed a very long time under the mentality that the money I'm going to spend is towards my career. But being a black belt, and I believe having the kind of fights that I've had and the kind of style that I've shown to have, because I've had some real boring fights. Like I have right before the pandemic, I had the most boring match in jujitsu history versus Hudson Mateos at fight to win. I won and it was like, whoa, Jake beat Hudson. But really, everybody was like, holy crap, he didn't get his arm snapped in half. Good job. You know, like you beat him, you beat him in the in the way that I could. That's that's the reality. And I almost passed his guard late in the match, but. Yeah, I, I thought like, the match was great, honestly. But well, then you're somebody <laughs> who appreciates it. You're somebody who appreciates that that internal chess match that went on between me and him. Because really, mm -hmm. my whole game plan was I'm going to go out there, I'm going to stifle him, I'm going to pull first, and I'm going to make sure he doesn't do anything until the last 30 seconds of the match. That's literally my game plan. I was like, <laughs> I want to make I want to make as little jujitsu happen as possible. Not because I didn't believe in myself, but because I believe that he was so strong and so dangerous that it wouldn't mm -hmm. have been smart for me to. But <clears throat> that being said. Uh, we, you and I had, obviously, yeah, we had, uh, we had that amazing match and we had that long conversation. If I came back to competition, not if, but when I'll say when, because I do want to compete again. When I come back to competition, I want to compete in shows that are going to be lucratively or are, are going to be lucrative for my family. Because mm -hmm. if I go out there and I, I try to outweigh, or I try to weigh the, the pros and cons, the risks and rewards, the risk to competing in IBJJF is I go out there and spend money to compete and travel, and it's all my pocket. There's no sponsorships, right? I, I have to pay for my hotel, my travel, my registration, and then I get injured. Mm -hmm. Dang. Like, that is a huge cost for me to go out there and compete just to further my career that I've already kind of... I'm okay with where my career is at, uh, I guess, uh, mon monetizationally. <laughs> 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 where my career is at in terms of what's what's popular and uh, if people know me, I'm fine with that because I'm trying to be known for commentary. I want to be known for my broadcasting career. I want to be a, sort of a Paul, a Paul Felder, if you will, because he had an amazing career in the UFC. I'm sure he's very satisfied with uh, other than not you know getting the UFC championship, which everybody in the UFC wants. But he's also an incredible broadcaster. He's a great commentator. Everybody loves hearing him on the mic. He's got a great fan base. So... Yes, I would want to come back to competition. But if I compete in a super fight show where I get paid a certain amount to show and win and I'm able to get a hotel and a flight covered and stuff like that, that is for me more worth it in terms of competition because then at the very worst, I get injured and some of that money has to go towards you know my recovery. At least A, there's more eyes. B, there's a bigger opportunity to perform. And C, I'm not spending as much money 
you know, I think that there's similar room for advancement there. There's not as much room for experience, but there's similar room for advancement. And at the end of the day, I I do enjoy competition. So, you know, that's uh, my goals have changed. I I, I have a baby on the way. I got to be thinking about that that mouth that I want to feed. We just had our ultrasound yesterday, and it was like just seeing this little baby move around inside of my wife's belly is is crazy, like craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just knowing that there's a little life in there. That is just getting knitted and you know fearfully and wonderfully made inside of my wife is just crazy, crazy to me. How far so, along is she? <clears throat> she's uh in her twelfth week. All right, man. So my I think my baby then will be eight weeks older, two months older. Oh, wow. So wow. two months extra to train before we make our children fight. And your child's going to win. Sorry. Well, I mean, your child's probably going to be seven feet tall and my child's going to be fat and Asian. So probably not. (laughs) First of all, they might not be in the same weight class. Second of all, uh, we, my wife is five foot two. So my wife is a very short woman. So, and, and I had a, I had this dream, right. And I had a dream that we had a girl and like, I had a dream that we were at the doctor. This is the night before the doctor's office. I have a dream that we're going to have a girl. And uh, it's so vivid. It's like I we ask the doctor for the screen that shows the results of the gender, and it says girl. And I'm like, whoa, that's an odd dream to have the night before I go do this thing. We don't know if it's a girl or a boy. We're getting the blood test, but it's just like I. I mean, we're gonna if we're gonna have a girl. First of all, no co-ed. I'm not doing the co-ed jujitsu match. Okay. Oh, dude, I our kid. I if, mean, I, if I if I if I have a girl and your kid has a boy, and you have a boy then uh, no fighting. We'll see. Regardless of if I have a boy or a girl, I'm putting them on steroids young. And so um, I'm like, hey, I didn't do this. So then you could do it and no one would ever question it because they'd be like, oh, Josh was always a no steroid guy. You know, his son or daughter has to be too, right? And we're Mm -hmm. just juicing them up. I'm like, yeah, it's just what happens when you grow up on the mat is you are just, you have an eight pack when you're a 12 year old girl. And you know what I mean? Like you have a, you have a 15. You have a 15 inch bicep and it's like, you know, oh everyone gosh. would buy it. Best jujitsu career of all time. Like, um, wow. She looks, yep. Yeah. Josh, have you ever heard that your daughter bears a striking resemblance to Chris Cyborg? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so. Hey guys, Josh McKinney here. Just want to interrupt the episode really quick and tell you about something exciting that we have going on at simplifyingjujitsu.com. As you guys have heard in the episode, Jake Watson and I are discussing the duck guard. Um, This is a guard that I kind of systemized. It's a version of uh, cross sleeve guard that I kind of systemized and I created a a really simple way to learn the position and and to learn some of the positions really well. It kind of enters you into K guard a lot and it's just a very strong sweeping and leg locking position. And um, yeah, Jake gave some really strong shout outs to the guard on this episode. So I wanted to make sure that you guys know that that instructional is available at simplifyingjujitsu.com right now. And it is currently 50% off with promo code new studio. 
Also, every other instructional at simplifyingjujitsu.com is 50% off with promo code NEWSTUDIO. This deal only lasts until June 1st, so be sure to jump on it. Be sure to learn how to master the deck guard, or be sure to grab how to train jujitsu. Be sure to grab the Star Spangled Spider Guard. There's one thing that we do a good job of at Simplifying Jujitsu. It really is naming these instructionals, but I promise the instructionals are even better than the names. And so you can check out any of those for 50% off the entire store for the rest of the month of May. Use promo code NEWSTUDIO. I think I said that. SimplifyingJujitsu.com. I think I said that too. Um, Yeah, that's the end of the commercial. Let's get back into the interview. As you kind of are uh, approaching kind of the media career Mm -hmm. um, at Jake Watson Media, right? At new, Jake Watson new, Media. Yeah, at Jake Watson Media. That's a new Instagram. As you're approaching this kind of career in media, how did you decide? I know that you've kind of, um, you've been working with uh, a, a kind of a startup company, but uh, how did you kind of decide how you were going to approach it? Uh, you just start to decide, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to approach this media thing full-fledged. I'm going to kind of put the athletic career just behind me just for a little bit. And, you know, what, how did you, how did you approach it? Well, I was given, okay, so the media thing started at Jits King Promotions at the height of the pandemic. So this was like, when I competed at American Nationals, that was a few months after, or or a couple months after I was at least able to train at somebody's house. Like I was able to go to someone's house and train and, you know, dudes just rolling with people who would come over and who weren't afraid of the pandemic, right? But during the, the Jits King thing, I didn't train. I just went there and competed. So it was very weird. <clears throat> and this was in, I think it was in, I don't want to say Tampa, Florida. I think it was in Kissimmee, Florida. It wasn't too far. No, it was Clearwater. It was in Clearwater, Florida. And uh, it's this great event. And the guys who run the event are super cool. I forget their I forget their names off the top of my head right now, but they gave me this opportunity. So this guy was commentating the event and he went up to use the restroom. And I said, hey, can I please commentate just until you get back? I want to try it. And he says, yeah, totally. So I commentate and I've always wanted to commentate. I've always thought uh-huh. it'd be really cool too, but I never thought, oh, that's actually going to happen for me one day. So I commentate Roberto Jimenez versus Pedro Mourinho and Pedro submitted him with a heel hook at that tournament. And mm-hmm. it was a huge I moment that. and I got hype and it was great. And it was, a, I honestly, like, I feel like I performed well because that, that tournament, I got guillotined by John Combs, uh, which the whole game plan in that match was don't get guillotined, by the mm-hmm. way. I did not I know we actually we talked about the game plan before the match you and oh, I did. Yeah, we yeah, did. We did. Oh. And 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 you got you got guillotine, man. I've been there. I've not in that specific guillotine, but I've had the game plans of, you know, don't get whatevered and then I get whatevered, you know. It happens. happens. Yeah. Well, all that to say it happened. And uh and so off that opportunity it got shared around a bunch and I just commented like, "Hey, yeah, it was great pleasure to commentate and stuff like that." And then uh I had mentioned that I, I would like to pursue a uh, commentary. I would like to commentate more. And then third coast grappling when it was still a part of flow grappling and when it was still a company was uh, doing an event and they said, Hey, you know, do the tournament. If you want to jump on commentary at any point, like let's say something happens. We're not saying that it's gonna, even though my first round was Felipe Andrew, uh, mm-hmm. just hop on commentary. If you want, I actually had an amazing match with Felipe Andrew that tournament. I almost took his back in the golden score time. Uh, Man, me and him have had some wars. I love competing against Felipe Andrew because it's, again, it's like a crazy role. It's like a crazy mm-hmm. training session. Uh, and he goes for it. He's not that kind of guy that likes to stall. He goes for <laughs> it. 
he's he's freaking full throttle the whole time. And uh, after I I did that third coast grappling show, then Hector Vasquez of EUG Promotions contacts me and says, "Hey, I want you to commentate my show. I want you to be the commentator of my show." I'm like, "All right, cool." It was me, a guy named um, uh, Richard. Man, I forget his name. I'm so sorry. It's Rich World Order on Instagram. I remember his name on Instagram. <laughs> you remember uh, the Richard gram. Allen? It was Richard Allen, uh, and Mikey Musumesi. And so we us three commentated this event, and I get there. And it's, it's the, you know, with a production, anything can happen. There's, mm-hmm. you can have the perfect plan and then it kind of like, whoa, what happened? So I get there and Hector's like, okay, okay, boss, you're going to do, uh, you're going to do the commentary. I'm going to have you do the announcing the, like the fight announcing. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, can you know how to do that? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And I want you to do the post fight interviews and I want you oh, to host. My- and I'm like. <laughs> all right let's go all right i'll like, run it baby it. so it goes swimming. they should have had you referee too dude they just no, had you do no, everything no, no, no. <laughs> the rule set the rule set was ibjf but a slight variation and i feel like i would have messed it up but the ibjf refs did a great job it's kind of a small stage that was actually andy murasaki's black belt debut i remember and that was huge dude he mm-hmm. looked so good at that tournament it was ridiculous and I commentate the show, Mike and Mikey. Uh, he didn't like. And by the way, Mikey Musumeci is doing so incredible down in one championship. It is the coolest thing. He really like, is he's cool a to superstar. see. He's a superstar. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Mikey, Mikey's like, oh hey Jake, it's good to see you. And I'm like, hey, it's good to see you, Mikey. He he shows up uh, for the for the dress rehearsal late with just a show you roll T-shirt. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh Mikey, do you have a do you have like a you know do you have like a collared shirt or something? He's like, oh no, did I need one? I'm like, well, it's a. <laughs> You know, and I look at Richard Allen and he's got like this gray suit with a pink shirt. And like, I have like my full suit and I'm like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a broadcast, you know, but whatever. And Mikey's like, oh, it's okay. And, I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm standing up here. Mikey is like a foot shorter than me at least. And then Richard Allen is like kind of shorter than me, but taller than Mikey. And so Mikey's in the middle of us and I'm just <laughs> towering over him, introducing the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome to the very first ever EUG promotions event. My name is Jake Watt and you know, the whole thing. And he, Mikey, halfway through the show, he realizes that the commentary is over the loudspeaker and everybody can hear it. And he stops talking pretty much. And uh, so does Richard Allen because Richard Allen has never done jujitsu a day in his life at this point. I don't know if he's done it now, but I'm the only person speaking. And so I, I essentially solo commentated. I hosted interviews and I did the, uh, the commentary. And so... It was just, it was like the best first show ever because after that opportunities were like, you know, flow even was like, Hey, you know, uh, why don't you do like this with us a little bit? And now they just hired me flow. Just, you know, I'm just able to work with flow as much as I, as much as I really can because I've done enough shows and people have given me enough feedback and ADCC was the pinnacle of opportunities like ADCC 2022 and commentate that was absolutely incredible. I got to commentate PJ Barch going against uh, Cade Rotolo. I got to commentate Gordon submitting Roosevelt in like two seconds. There's just, it's been an incredible journey. And so around the time when I commentated EUG after that show, it was such a hot, like an adrenaline rush. I was like, oh my gosh, that right there. I feel, because the way I thought about it is I need to go to a career that makes me feel the same way that competition in jiu-jitsu does. And so I was like, wow. That was, that was it. Like, I want to do commentary because it gives me that feeling of I'm doing something that I'm made to do. I'm, cool. I'm made to talk. And that's one of the reasons why I want to preach as well is because I get, I, I feel like I come alive when I'm exhorting, when I'm 
speaking, when I'm just giving a monologue, that doesn't, I don't know what it is, but just talking makes me feel like I'm doing the thing I was meant to do. And that was speaking, man. I, I love that. Um, man. Okay. Just, just from there really quick, give me, if there is any, I'm sure you've told some cool like background stories to your friends of this is what ADCC was like as a commentator and like some background stuff. What give me a story or two that gets the most excitement that's the most interesting. Uh so commentating the match with Gabby Garcia and uh Amy Campo. Mm-hmm. When I when I was watching that match and I'm looking around and there's 15,000 people in the University of Las Vegas Stadium. And Amy Campbell arm drags her, not just off the mat, but onto the stage they walk down and they're still fighting. Mm-hmm. It hit me. Oh my gosh, I'm commentating the biggest submission grappling tournament in the entire world. I am <laughs> actually doing this right now. Like This is the match I'm commentating. Hands and- down. Hands down. No one would debate the biggest, more eyes than have ever been on grappling by far. Un, and you're getting to without it. without question. And I got to commentate not just that, but I got to commentate some of the most important matches. I got to commentate Nicholas Marigali versus Tyro Tolo. Um, you know, being be, obviously being attached to Gordon uh, in any sense is, as far as media is concerned, is a smart move because he has a lot of eyes on him as well. And getting to commentate him going out there and bra- I think he broke an ADCC record, right? He submitted him in what ten seconds. Yeah. So yeah, it was something being a part ridiculous. of that match. That was ridiculous. It looked like he wasn't even trying. And uh, and in being able to commentate, I believe I got to commentate one of Craig Jones' matches as well. But it's just the cool thing about ADCC Worlds is you don't have to think, oh, we'll get to the good matches in a second. There's nothing mm-hmm. like that. With with some tournaments, especially you know IBJJF tournaments where it's such a deep bracket, especially you're commenting like brown belts or purple belts, you don't know everybody, and so you yeah. might you have to be ready for a cool moment to happen. You have to learn a little bit about the athletes, but. It could be a little bit until the two big names go together. But at ADCC, there's nothing but big names. I remember I commentated the West Coast Trials and everybody was fighting like their like their mother's life was on the line. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is unreal to watch. It really is unreal to watch. And uh, I guess another story that was really cool was, and this is just, this is not tooting my own horn. This is more like how much it means to me that people even appreciate a little bit about what I do. But JT Torres stopped me and said that he really, he thinks that my commentary makes jujitsu seem more professional. And that's so that awesome. Was, that was very cool because my, I have a, vi- there's a video on YouTube of my professor going against JT Torres before his career even began. So I knew JT Torres when I first met Andre, because I just saw this video on YouTube. And then to see that JT Torres is not only an exceptional person to talk to and to, you know, hang around, but that he's an exceptional champion and he wins. And, you know, he, he didn't, get the result he wanted at ADCC, but so graceful in defeat, a good example for his students. And to have him say that I did anything that made jujitsu seem more impression, uh, more impressive and more professional was, it was a moment that made me think like, okay, I'm, I'm going in the right direction. If the athletes feel like I'm doing a good job representing them, then that's what I care about because they're the ones putting in the hard work. I want it to be like, I work hard for my opportunities to broadcast, but my hard work is supposed to make their work easier. It's supposed to make their lives easier because they actually have sound bites they can share. They have representation. They they have memorable moments they can share with their families. They, I mean, it, all in all, they deserve. Jiu-Jitsu athletes work, in my opinion, just as hard as MMA athletes. It's just different. It's a different sport. They still commit their lives to this art and to make their careers better and to grow the sport. Um, 
and that that being said, obviously I want to do MMA as well. I want to do other broadcasting measures, but you know, I want to I want to add value to the people who I admire. You know what I mean? Like if if even being attached to the Isaac Jiu Jitsu show in any way, shape, or form improves the value of your podcast, then that is what I actually want to do. I want to better the lives of people around me and the opportunities of people around me. And that's, you know, man, it, it didn't answer your question, but you know, you did. And and that does <laughs> give me um that's so true. Uh a, a little we just you and I get to have really interesting conversations simply because we both have done a lot of different things in production. Um, so then we both have good enough microphones that you can hear the conversations. Yes. <laughs> and we just know how to get our thoughts out. Um, but then we both have been competitive jujitsu athletes for a long time and have understood what it's like to try to be at the top of jujitsu. And when you get something as simple as somebody sharing a reel uh, of you doing jujitsu and it just helps you and it gets a couple hundred views from a couple hundred different people that never would have seen your jujitsu, never would have seen your art. It's such a huge thing. Or uh, a podcast, when you get that opportunity, I get to do so many more now because my podcast has grown. But before, every time I got to do a podcast, it would be marked on my calendar for a month and I would be just like so excited about it every single day I got to wake up and to do that. And so the the media side does provide so much value to jujitsu that just wouldn't be there otherwise. And so, and especially for the athletes. And so uh, I do know that it is a, a very valuable thing. Um, we are getting to the, the kind of towards the end of this episode. Mm. And so there is, as always, a million things I wish I could still keep asking you about and, and we could dig a little deeper on. Luckily, um, for the person listening right now, it would have been a, a, like a week before, but luckily you and I also have an episode of the open guard cast together. That's going to oh, yeah. come out that we actually full disclosure, haven't recorded yet. Um, but luckily <laughs> we do. And I'm sure that that episode is going to be, you know, great. Well, listen, it's gonna... you, you can even ask me a question about me on my own podcast, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, it's, that, it's a conversation it, and you're my friend, you know, we'll grow it. We'll grow We'll do that. Okay. I'm in on that. So. <laughs> If someone's listening, that would have just come out like I think a week ago. I don't have my my release schedule in front of me, but I can tell you for sure it's not very well thought out. But I think it'll come out like uh, you know the, your episode will come out a week before this one does. So if someone yeah. wanted to keep listening, they could stroll over to the Open Guard Cast. But a quick last question: I've changed what my final question was since the last time you have been on the show. Um, yeah, and you well, also you, since the last time you have been on the show, you also say jujitsu now. You don't say jujitsu. I, I know. I say jujitsu now. Did you? Did you? The first, for me? You're the first person, literally, not just in, not just like that's been on the show, but in general, that has said, "Hey." You corrected how you say that. Nobody <laughs> mentions. They were just like, finally, no one has ever mentioned to me like, whoa, dude, you actually, you, you actually say it right now. You know, this That's art nice. that you've dedicated your whole life to, you can pronounce it. Good for you. you That's know? uh that you know what? If I did anything today and just doing that, just noticing. Do you see how much I care? Do you see how much I care? You, you care I about me so much, much Jay. The I'd only person that cares about the only person you care about more than than me, I'm sure, is your wife, and then of course Danny O'Donnell. You know, uh, my baby, the, my wife, my baby, then Danny O'Donnell. Yep. Sorry, Which your look. baby and Danny O'Donnell, you could probably even say are the same thing. You know, like they're the same. 
You know, like they're right. They're side by side. That there. was the first time I didn't have a response for you. That was like, <laughs> I actually was so appalled by the words that you just spoke that I actually had nothing to say. And that that's, it's, that's a frightening feeling. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. When, you, when you literally don't have something for somebody. That that's was okay. what I just felt. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway um, the new finishing question used to be, how do you suck less at jujitsu? But now it is, what is some of or just the best jujitsu advice that you have ever received? I think the best jujitsu advice that I've ever received is that it's fake. And hear, hear me out. Jujitsu is not a real situation. It is, if anything, at the most extreme, a preparation for a real situation. So you are enabled, you are encouraged, you're, you are implored to have fun while doing jujitsu. There are studies that show that children, adults, everybody, it, their ability to learn any skill, especially a motor skill, is drastically improved by their attitude towards learning that skill. So if you are approaching jujitsu like it is life or death, like it is, you know, the very thing you're trying to escape from. And I say that because a lot of people approach jujitsu classes and they want to learn jujitsu because they're bullied or because they're insecure or because they need this sort of release from stress or whatever it is. If you approach it like it is the stress, like it is you getting bullied, like it is that thing that you're escaping from, then you will resonate those feelings that you already have towards that thing you don't want to do. So mm -hmm. jujitsu is meant to be fun. Jujitsu, the way we do it, isn't the way it was originally designed. And I think a lot of traditionalists do say that, and they have a point. Jujitsu was designed as a Japanese martial art for war. And then when it became Brazilian jujitsu, it was developed, you know, Ailo Gracie was uh, kind of a, a weak and uh, sickly sort of man. And he wanted to adapt Japanese jujitsu into a way that could be better suited for smaller people so that you're not necessarily winning a fight, but you're definitely not losing a fight. And I'm butchering it a little bit, but you get my point. It was a self-defense, but we do it for sport. So mm -hmm. if it's no longer just about self-defense, which is in some cases, in most cases, when you actually need to defend yourself, life or death, then you should have fun with it like it's a sport. Why can we have fun playing basketball with our friends, but not do jujitsu with our friends? The reason is, is because either you're overly competitive and you forget to have fun, or you just don't know how to approach something that you ought to be learning. So my advice to anybody listening, just in a, in a holistic, dumbed down way of saying it is, and I mean to say just simplified, have fun. Don't think too hard about what you're doing. You should be enjoying and soaking up every bit of information like it's a game because you will get better at a game the longer you play it. And that's the best advice I ever heard. When I heard that and I took a step back and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm taking this way too seriously. And it's not mm -hmm. bad to take it seriously. It's bad to think that it's bad to mistake taking it violently or taking it uh, for something that it isn't as taking it seriously. You can take it seriously and still have just as much fun and you should. But uh, that's my advice is remember to have fun and surround yourself with people who have a healthy attitude about jujitsu because you will not learn unless you're having fun. That is terrific jujitsu advice. Uh, Jake, is there anything that you want to say to finish? I want to say that uh, you guys can follow me at Jake Watson Media on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm trying to do everything I can. If you are a person who has any sort of connection to broadcasting, any sort of connection to 
uh, MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, any of that commentary, and you're listening to this, I am available. I am hungry. And this is what is going to work for me. I truly believe that it is the plan of the Lord to prosper me in this season, because I care very much, not only about serving and glorifying Jesus, but I also care about, and this kind of goes with that, taking care of my wife, taking care of our, our baby and our future children as well. I care about building up the community that built me up in a way, right? So that's my that's my goal. Um, of course, everything I, I do is all for the glory of God. And uh, I also want to say that you guys are running, or like you guys, but you, Josh, are running an amazing, amazing production here. The way that the Isaac Jiu-Jitsu podcast has improved since the last time I've been on is really, it's very encouraging. And I'm very proud of you just as a friend. And I'm excited. That, Jake. Of course. I'm excited for the open guard cast to come back. I think it's uh, long overdue. I'm, I'm going to have like an intermittent co-host. So like, it'll kind of be like, uh, in a way I'm the host, but every now and again, I'll have somebody else on with me when I interview somebody, because I feel like maybe it'll add value to the conversation. Like, let's say you had somebody where like, Hey, this is my buddy. He's super funny. And he's always on the podcast with me, but not every time that would be sort of what it's like. And it's Cade Roke, uh, which I've done a couple episodes with him before and they were funny. People liked them, but I want to have structure too. I feel like sometimes I talk with him. It goes a little off the rails. Uh, <laughs> You guys can expect me to be back in competition eventually. I just don't know when. I I got a, a way bigger fish to fry. But uh, yeah, catch me at who's number one, Marigali versus Mourinho on the mic. Catch me at ADCC Denver Open on the mic and IBJJF Worlds on the mic. I'll just be doing all those. I'll be you know commentating all those events. But yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And yeah, you guys can follow. Oh, follow Burn City Sports. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. I'll talk about that a little bit in the Open Guardcast episode. You guys can take a look out for that. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely cross promote that as well, but shout out to burn city sports I'm doing reporting for them on their YouTube, on their Twitter, on their Instagram. Um, just, you know, consistently reporting on the Phoenix suns right now, the Phoenix suns, especially since by this time they will have either one game seven or game six and seven, or they will have lost. So we'll see. But, uh, I've been reporting on, you know, suns, Cardinals, diamondbacks content. It's just, uh, it's been going really, really well. So yeah, shout outs to them and. Shout out to you, Mr. McKinney. That was a long, long end of the episode. I <laughs> that was that. a great end of the episode. You feel like you actually did hit all the bullet points. Um, pretty amazing that you can do that without notes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you nailed all the bullet points. Let's get uh, let's get this episode closed out, and then we can we can move on to bigger and better things and record some open guard cast. All right, let's do it. And that is the episode. I just want to thank Jake for jumping on the show. Always fun to get to conversate with Jake Watson. And, um, you know, just, I don't know, just a, a really, really nice guy. I just really think that uh, Jake has had, you know, he's been in the kind of the public jujitsu eye since he was young, man. He's just, so, he was so good. I mean, at, at 22, seeing him beat me and beat so many really high level guys that are much better than me um you know he's he's super good at jujitsu and uh, maybe he was 23 then uh regardless just at a very young age he's always in that eye and then he's commentating on all these big events and getting to commentate on adcc and um it's just it's one it's fun for me to get to talk to him on and off camera uh and just hear about that kind of stuff and hear where he's at in his life um but it's also Two, this is a young guy that is obviously one day going to have a very interesting story. Somebody that we would, at 40 years old on the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show, have these millions and millions of questions for. Um, but 
following the I Second Jiu Jitsu show, you know, and me being good friends with Jake, you almost get to follow that storyline. You almost get to follow him as he grows. And then, you know, I mean, last time he was on the show, he was running a podcast. And 120 episodes, 140 episodes later, he is now the podcast is back, but he's commentating on every jujitsu event that you watch and he's doing a great job of it. And so getting to follow this storyline has been fun. And I, I, and hopefully you guys will continue to follow this storyline, uh, especially when we talk on the I Suck Jujitsu show. And so, um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. I think, uh, I think you guys are going to like what we have on Thursday. We have the completion of the two-parter on training method, and we are going to get deep into designated winner, including a new way to train designated winner on your own, to create your own designated winner games, designated winner drills. You guys aren't going to want to miss it, but that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Jake. Hope you follow him. Hope you check him out uh, on all these different jujitsu events that he's commentating. And most importantly, I hope today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.